Hello, everybody. This is Tarek Pertu, co-founder and chief creative officer of Uncubed. Uh, today, I am here with Jason Moss. He is the co-founder and general manager of Metis, uh, as well as the VP of strategy at Kaplan Test Prep. Jason spoke uh, with us, as well as uh, a number of different uh, and a very diverse group of educators a couple of weeks ago at our Education Uncubed conference. Uh, here in New York City, where we had some 40 to 50 different universities made up of 80 or so individuals, all looking to learn from the innovators in this world um, techniques on better connecting themselves, their community, their students, their alumni with the innovative community, but also to have a conversation on education and innovation in education and what higher education looks like in the future, uh, its current failures as well as its opportunities. Jason, in our opinion, certainly after his discussion uh, with the group at Education Uncubed, is an expert. Uh, it's a, uh, it is a passion project for him. And we're here today to have a little bit of a follow-up conversation on, uh, uh, on higher education and Jason's uh, thoughts on that uh, following what was a really wonderful presentation at Education Uncubed. So I've got a number of questions that I'll be asking you. Uh, there's some that were left off. Uh, there were some individuals that were left wanting, I should say, at the end of Education Uncubed in your particular discussion. But to better prepare our listeners today, which will be made up of people that were actually at the conference, but certainly a number of people that were not there, give us a little bit of an idea. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself in a better way than, than I currently did, uh, with a little bit more detail, perhaps. So we're here with Jason, and um, very but then excited share to with us, uh, pick up uh, where we left a off. A summary of what you so discussed Jason, at Education Uncubed. Give us a little bit more um, we do have a We do have a PowerPoint presentation, everybody, that we can share with you. Just uh, send us a line at Uncubed, um, and we'll pass it along to you. What you um, but give us a little bit of a summary on what you discussed, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely. Great to be speaking with you. Thank you. I've been working in education for about 20 years. So I started uh, on the nonprofit side and had uh, uh, built up a nonprofit in New Orleans to help bring the community into the schools. Uh, I ultimately left there. I worked uh, in product management and product marketing uh, at Scholastic for a period of time. Uh, then more recently, I'm now at Kaplan. And through Kaplan have also launched uh, this business, Medis, which provides new economy skill training in the form of boot camps. Um, so, uh, but when I, when I spoke, uh, I, I didn't introduce myself uh, that way at all. I said, my name is Change. And, uh, and that, that's, that was the key, is the key theme here, which is that um, uh, what I spoke about is sort of that education is at a, uh, a critical, if not perilous time um, in terms of sort of how it uh, prepares people for the future. And, uh, and it's a time when we're all, you know, we're all aware of sort of the sobering statistics around, around college tuition and the struggles that, 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 that students are having. So I think it is uh, at, at every level, every parent I know, every educator I know, every person thinking about college is thinking about the same, uh, same issues, which is um, the expense of college and, and the return on that education. So uh, what I tried to share was sort of a great irony out there, which had to do with the, um, the supply-demand imbalance in many jobs. So we often talk about, or we often hear about the, the unemployment rate and the fact that the unemployment rate is now coming down, and we'd all, we all agree that's great news. A stat that is less talked about is the underemployment rate. That, that is folks who have a college degree who are in jobs and largely aren't using it. And that number hasn't changed that much. That's hovering around sort of 40 uh, 44%. So 
I mean, put that in perspective, almost half of our college graduates are in jobs where they're not using their degrees uh, in, in an effective way. And, uh, and, and, and the number that are in jobs that are very low paying is rising. So on one hand, we, we have a real critical issue here. People are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on education and almost half are taking that education uh, uh, and going into jobs where they don't really need it. And yet on the other side of the coin, and this is why it was, it, it was a great, it's a great irony, is there are fields where employers can't find uh, the talent that they need. Um, and, and these fields are being driven by this new economy that we're in. So we look at fields like software development uh, and, uh, and product design or UX and data science and all these fields that, ha that, are, that are growing at tremendous rates given the economy we live in. And uh, every employer, uh, Kaplan being just one of them, but every employer is saying, help me to find talent. So how can we have this where we're producing all these graduates who uh, are, are coming out of school and don't, aren't using their college education in a way that'll help them, and at the same time we have employers all around the globe who are saying, please, please find me great talent. And, uh, and that, that is a, uh, an irony is being kind. It, it's, a, it's a fundamental issue and it's something that, I, that everybody in education should be thinking about today and thinking about how to address. And, uh, and I, I uh, you know, then proceeded to speak more about Kaplan and uh, how we've sort of seen these trends and steps that we've taken uh, to address them, one of which was through the launch of, of Metis, uh, one of which was through the, uh, the acquisition of Deb Bootcamp, uh, and there, there, there are other things that are going on as well. So interesting, uh, for those of you listening, I'm sure you're familiar with Kaplan Test Prep. If, if any of you have children that have uh, gone on to college or other, uh, or other uh, areas of education, they certainly uh, know about it. If not, uh, they've gone through it. So f what, what few of you might know is that Kaplan is actually a 75-year-old institution, um, which is to say it's, it's in the age bracket of some universities in this country. But one underlying, um, well, not underlying, but one, one thing that you just mentioned, mentioned and I'll pick up on is you're innovating and you continue to innovate as an older institution um, with programs like Metis, the acquisition of Dev Bootcamp, recognizing the evolution of uh, curriculum and the, the, uh, certainly the evolution of, of the skill needs. And of course, in 10 years from now, it might not be data and engineering, it might be something else. And how can we always make sure that there's institutions built around teaching people these things. So um, I guess a question I have for you is, um, well, let's take one step back. Do you see Kaplan as competitive or do you see Metis as competitive to higher education? Um, do you see it as complementary? Maybe what percentage of uh, students that are currently taking these bootcamp style classes are college graduates? Do you have some insights into those? Yeah. So. Um what I would so so first of all, Kaplan is uh, is a very large company. I mean, we're a two billion plus uh, company, and uh, uh, over half of our business is higher education. So um, so you know, as as a company, we're you know, there, we're we're doing tremendously innovative things uh, uh, in in higher education, and you know, sort of looking at how you know, we're asking ourselves the same questions that I just I challenged the audience. Uh, to ask, um, but I think what is important is uh, fundamentally what is Kaplan's mission. 
at our core, Kaplan's mission is about helping individuals achieve their educational and career goals. So, um, you know, so that uh, really uh, forces us to kind of continue to challenge ourselves as times change in terms of what, you know, what are different ways that we should be, we should be doing that. Um, and uh, for, for colleges, I think this is a very important point, which is, you know, fundamentally, what is, what is the business of higher ed? What is the, what is the mission that you're trying to achieve? And, uh, uh, you know, to what degree uh, do you become concerned about this, you know, about the fact that we, uh, you know, in preparing people for careers? And that's, a, I mean, I think that's at the heart of the question here. Right. Okay, cool. Um, one other question there, uh, more around medicine and, and um, the acquisition of Dev Bootcamp and the demographics of people that are taking those classes. What, give us an idea of what percentage of folks that are taking these classes are college grads? Um, do you have any insight from those folks on their on their own on their own? Um, what am I looking for here? Do you have any insights into their expectations from education, both at Metis and, and you know maybe their their college education if that's where they went? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Um, so so I would say uh, upward of ninety percent of our students are college graduates. And um, actually, a study was just released by Course Report that did a survey of boot camp grads from all over the country. And uh, I believe their numbers are, are reasonably similar. So the, so the overwhelming majority of, of students who go, to, who go to boot camps are college graduates. And I don't think, um, you know, boot I don't think a, a, a boot camp is, uh, is meant to be sort of a substitute for a college education. Uh, you know, there's only so much you're going to achieve in uh, nine weeks or 12 weeks or 16 weeks relative to what you can do in four years, both in terms of uh, depth within particular skills and areas and more just about, uh, you know, life experience and learning who you are and, 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 uh, and understanding, uh, you know, the society around us and how we interact with it. Um, so what I, what I do believe and what I hear constantly is uh, students coming out of college, and they may have had a very good experience at college, meaning they enjoyed it, but they don't necessarily feel prepared to then take the next step. Or they've been in a job for, you know, a few years and feel like, okay, well now I'm not, I don't have the, the requisite skills to take it to that next level. So it's a, um, you know, there's, there's something there about college not adequately preparing them for the jobs. Part of this also is just sort of the natural process of, you know, Few of us are, are, you know, are in our first, you know, have, have stayed only at one company. So I think there is something to the natural process of learning. You find out more about what you like, what you don't like, and, uh, and then you reach a critical decision point. And that's where something like boot camps becomes a, uh, a very effective choice. In some sense, I think, the, in some sense, what we, uh, uh, the question that we tackle more often, or we help people to, to, to look at, is not whether you know, you should apply to a, whether you should apply to a boot camp instead of going to college. I don't, again, I don't think that is a valid comparison. Uh, it is whether you go back to school, whether it's a, like a master's program or a graduate program. So right now, as an example, Medis just uh, is, uh, has a data science boot camp that is starting uh, September 2nd. Uh, and, uh, and this is to help people uh, who want to become data scientists or, or data analysts. Um, at the same time, there are probably, I don't know, 30, 40 uh, master's programs in data science that have come up in, in the last few years. And that's going to be a very different learning experience. Clearly, what you can accomplish in two years is very different. It's also a very different price point. And so, 
you know, what we ask students to think about is sort of what is the right path for you? How do you learn best? Um, how much are you willing to spend? How quickly do you want to be employed? And I think those are all kind of parts of the, uh, the, 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 the questions, the, the reflection, the calculus one should be doing in terms of sort of, you know, thinking about do I continue in a more traditional path within higher ed uh, or not? My, my guess, just given um, the, the popularity of boot camps and career accelerators and, thing, and things like that, is that um, uh, especially when it comes to sort of higher, you know, uh, education even beyond undergrad, is that people are starting to sort of um, uh, set the bar higher in terms of sort of the degree to which it prepares you for, you know, the, 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 the job and the amount somebody wants to sort of stay in school versus kind of immediately becoming employable. Okay, cool. So, um, and just for those listening at home, part of our goal here is to provide a critique around what's failing. And that's in, in the nature of this podcast is, is where the failures are in education, but also where, you know, where the opportunities are. If this, this is, you know, I, I want to make that very clear. And I, you know, mo in some ways moderating this particular podcast I'll be a little bit more liberal with my challenges of education to sort of draw out what hopefully are better opportunities to, to, to make it better. Higher education as it stands now is an institution where I think when a number of people will leave and you ask them how they reflect on their experience and it's usually something like, well, I don't know what the curriculum did for me, but it was certainly a good experience. I developed social skills and what have you. So that inherently has to put a question mark on what the value of education is. There's so many questions to ask here, but one of the big benefits I found, I went to University of Virginia, and I felt that there's a massive failure in the curriculum at that institution. Um, but I also, to your point on questions, I don't think I was asked the right questions about what I wanted to get out of education. I didn't know, I didn't think about what I wanted to get out of it from a career standpoint. I didn't think about what I wanted to get out of it from a, um, it, almost a sociological standpoint. What is, what do I want to get out of college to better prepare, prepare me to take advantage of my career, which very well might be uh, taking boot camp style classes after college. Why? This is something, in my opinion, colleges should be encouraging you to do. You're here to spend four years to develop yourself as a human being, as a careerist, as someone that's going to learn the skills required to be a successful contributor to society. And if those, if the skills required mean, means having an open understanding that post-graduation you need to consider your options for for uh, extended learning, which are programs like medicine and others. If someone told me that's what education was for, I might buy into it more. I might sort of subscribe to that, that notion. Uh, and I would, certainly cons I would certainly take different classes and I would, I would have a completely different approach to it. Um, the reason I oversimplified it as being just an institution to help you get a job was I think most people, when you, if you were to just ask them on the street, did you go to college? Sure, why? To get a degree? Why'd you get a degree? Why, you know, I need a degree to get a job because that's the institution in which we've been living for a long time. Well, if that is any type of meaningful, if that is the perception of any type of meaningful group of people, let's say even 10% of the population, which of course I'd argue it's significantly larger than that, I would say it's probably closer to 90%, well then there's obvious failures from fulfilling that because as you said, there's a massive gap. There's a number of companies hiring for skills that higher education is not preparing people for, the curriculum's antiquated, um, amongst other things. Anyway. This leads me to asking a question about the skills gap, which you brought up in your presentation, about how it's actually still not even looking much prettier because the, the, the need for certain skills is growing at a much, a much more of an accelerated rate than in that which we're educating people. So a long-winded way of saying college is antiquated, the value is not necessarily there, the curriculum is outdated, we're talking about jobs here, 
How can we educate people into skills at a rate that's at least even or you know, slightly below the supply? And let's start sharing maybe some of the, the opinion, your opinions on how we can. I think, there, I think, there's, I think there's two things that are, that are relevant here. Um, uh, you know, one is sort of, um, sort of what are the what are what are the skills that employers are looking for? So during the Uncue presentation, I shared some of the quotes from Laszlo Block, who is the senior VP of uh, People Operations at Google. And you know, I think it's it's worth you know pausing on the fact that at parts of Google, they're now you know 14% of the employees who don't have college degrees. So if one of the largest and most prestigious employers, you know, in the, in, in the country is um, arguably sort of devaluing a degree or at least trying to decouple sort of what a degree means from sort of what they look at, that's significant. Now, what they are saying there is we want folks who have the ability to sort of uh, to think critically. We want people who can um, sort of problem solve on the fly. We want people who can sort of uh, look, you know, look outside of the box. Those, those are all skills that could be emphasized in a much greater way within college. So as, college, so as, as colleges sort of think about sort of the, the uh, you know, because I, I, I do want to distinguish between uh, a, a college having to sort of say we're going to take a very vocational approach to sort of the skills we teach you, uh, which would, could, at an extreme version, would sort of bring us to a world where every college is essentially a vocational school. Uh, versus one where colleges are, are, are really uh, cognizant of sort of what are the skills that employers are looking for and how do we better make sure our existing courses are helping to deliver on those skills. And those skills could be things that are applicable ac across the board. So I think that like that is a, is a, you know, is a fundamental opportunity and, and that is not, that doesn't necessarily need to be such a departure from what sort of schools tr today do. Um, the second thing that I was sort of getting at uh, in, in the presentation is just that in certain fields, no matter how many sort of, uh, if you take computer science, like, and you look at sort of all the different numbers of folks who are kind of graduating, whether in computer science or, or, or have some sort of touch point to there, we can't catch up with the number of folks who are, uh, with a number of openings that require some sort of, you know, computer science background or thinking. And so there, uh, you know, we've got to do something to close that gap. And that's, you know, and so, so one option is boot camps come in and they, they fill that, which is uh, clearly an option that we support. That being said, even if you sort of aggregate all the boot camp efforts going on around the world, it would be a fraction in terms of the actual number of jobs that are out there. So that alone isn't uh, the answer. I think your point is a good one, that colleges can also adapt and start bringing in more um, uh, apprentice-based learning uh, into their curriculums. Uh, they can start to do more project, you know, still more project-based learning. One of the one of the one of the things we hear constantly, we hear from employers, we hear from students, including those who uh, did do traditional paths like CS degrees, is like you could you could you could do a you could do a computer science degree and and basically not have not done a lick anything. of code or built anything by the time you graduate. Right, it's all theory. All it's theory, all theory. theory. So, right. th so 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 there we like that like you know that's a that's a uh, you know that that tells a story of sort of where the problem is it, it, in terms of even within sort of the, the traditional degree programs, are they best preparing people for sort of what is necessary to, uh, uh, to, to get that job? Yeah, it's interesting because when you, when you, if you start to really back that out, you know, there's so many opportunities at, at higher ed. I mean, the community in which people um, are in is, you know, it's, it's combustible. You know, there's one idea can spread so fast. You know, there's so many wonderful things I think about being a part of a 
collegiate community, um, but breaking this idea down can be scary, right? Because you say, you know, we say we need to bring in educators that help change the way you think, help create critical thinkers, help create more marketable employees that is not necessarily tied to a degree. And is a degree in the future going to be, is it going to require four years of this style of education, two years, three years, who knows? Because um, of, I think, I, you know, sorry, I mean, you'll, you'll see I, I go off on a number of little diatribes here trying to get one point across, but um, <laughs> the thing that interests me so much is you've got a four-year expensive education, and then you've got a 12-week or so inexpensive education. Um, and the end game for the same individual is likely a job, uh, perhaps in the same field. So you spend four years in CS, theory-based education, you spend $90,000 and then you spend $12,000 or so in a 12-week application-based CS degree. Who is the more marketable CS entry-level candidate? I know, you know, there's a number of, all the other things that you mentioned, critical thinking aside, you would say probably the person that took application-based programming for 12 weeks. Um, but I, you know, I think the, and that should, that inherently has to make you think, holy shit, we've got a very expensive theory-based education and a very inexpensive application-based education. Employers of the future are more interested in people that have applied their skill. Um, so that's got to at least A, scare you. The benefit here is the fact that there's all these other intangibles that companies look for that universities, I think, are actually structured very well at providing. But it, are the do the educators know that? Are they armed with the knowledge that they have to produce people that think critically, that uh, have a, a, a certain particular uh, a level of discipline. I think one of the things I love about college grads is they tend to be significantly more disciplined than non-college grads. I love that. And I think that is absolutely a trait that we look for in our own, our own in candidates. But I don't think any of this is actually in the minds of educators you know, on campus. So um, I don't even know if I have a question <laughs> at the end of all that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, just trying to, I, you know, I'm just trying to continue to figure out how you know, breaking down your, you know, your one of the solutions, which is to ch change educators' approach to the way we think. Does that mean we have to change educators? And if it means we have to change ed educators, you know, that's a very long and slow process towards higher education adapting to the needs of today. So maybe that's my question: is is this going to be a long, slow process, or do you see ways in which higher education institutions can actually start adapting very quickly? and immediately providing value to their existing students and the students that are coming into the education system. And, and then we'll talk about what that looks like in the future, but as, as far as now, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I think the default is it is, it is a slow process, um, but my sense would be uh, that if, you know, in the coming years, uh, especially if I'm not a tier one school, uh, I may be very uh, vested in how to accelerate that process dramatically because I think what is going to happen is with, uh, you know, again, the rising cost of tuition with uh, alternative, you know, education forms when eventually you may have, you know, online courses that are both, you know, sort of have, uh, you know, super instruction, high completion rates and count towards, you know, multiple, uh, uh, count for multiple accreditation at different universities. The landscape's going to change, and 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 a and a and a universe, you know, the, you know, the, look, the the Harvards, the the Yales, the Pens, uh, I don't think they need to worry terribly. There's there's always, you know, I think they're always going to be in in super high demand. Their application rates show that. Um, but I think, uh, you know, at 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 other tiers, this question's just going to become, you know, much more, you know, much more burning. Uh, you know, when we, when we, when, you know, when you look, uh, there was a study I just saw that had to do with sort of, you know, 
if you go to a tier four college and sort of, you know, what, you know, what is your sort of economic potential coming out of that and your ability to sort of close that gap versus somebody that went to a tier one or tier, tier two college, you, you're so far behind the curve. So I think this, you know, this goes back to the question, uh, and it's not necessarily that all, you know, we should be careful not to generalize higher ed, that, uh, that each uh, university is gonna need to ask themselves, I think, about sort of, you know, um, you know kind of what's our, what's our purpose? Uh, how, how best do we achieve that purpose? How are there ways to uh, accelerate some of this by um, ensuring students not just are getting sort of the, the, the life experiences, which I mean, I, I went to Wesley and I loved it. So I, I put great value, including economic value in that, but how, you know, how to make sure they don't just get the life experiences, but also sort of the, the, the job readiness skills. And again, per the earlier conversation, the job readiness skills could have to do with discipline, could have to do with communication, could have to do with critical thinking. It doesn't just have to be the technical skills. In fact, my, my guess is, uh, uh, is, especially for employers, that you know, for somebody coming right out of college, they're probably actually going to put more value on those, those non-technical skills. But that's not necessarily what colleges uh, or all colleges are promising today. So, uh, so I think that to the extent, you know, the, the level of um, adoption may vary depending on sort of what type of school, uh, what type of school we're talking about. And uh, for, you know, for tier three, tier four schools, I think the, the, uh, the, the, the impetus to move faster um, is very clear. All right, so I'm going to do a little bit of a lightning round style thing. Doesn't mean we're at the end of it. But I've got a few mathematical questions here. There's something around 4,400 universities in this country. How many universities do you believe in 10 years from now, of those, assuming not counting the general assemblies and others that might start to develop into more institutional-based curriculum, of the existing group of some, call it 4,400, rounded up, 4,500 universities in this country, how many do you believe will still be here in 10 years? I really, I really, I don't even want to venture a, a guess. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dodge that question. Abstain. Um, what, what I think is that uh, how a university is defined in ten years may be very different than how it is today. So I think right now, the the nature is you sort of think of a, you know, the the, the university is sort of its own organism, and uh, the reality is with uh, with with MOOCs, with boot camps, with sort of all these different alternate paths, sort of what a university may look like and the partners that it draws on and the type of education uh, that it can offer has the potential to be dramatically different. Uh, so the, you know, so the, 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 the shared, um, the shared, uh, I can't even think of the word. Neither can I, otherwise I'd um, try to film it. I line. know, right. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, the, the, that, uh, you know, that the sort of you know, kind of what you know the, the what defines that university is going to look will be will be very different. Right. In so let's piggyback off of that. Do you believe that higher education institutions will be for standard four year based uh, programs going forward? And again, it, four years. You know, it, I know it's it's about the credits and what have you, but generally speaking, again, just to simplify it for the audience here, will it continue to be a four year based undergraduate curriculum? You know, 10, 20 years from now. I, I would believe, I would just believe there'll be a lot of experimentation around that. And when we're, we're seeing that in law school right now, I mean, so. Right, and I think we're know. seeing it in some, some business schools, people yep, are trying to absolutely. accelerate it and get it absolutely. out in a year. Um, 
And what about, uh, and I ask these questions because I think people are realizing like it doesn't take me four years to develop the skills I need. So why am I spending four years on it? So maybe if it, colleges come out and say, hey, we've got this new two year degree, the, this is what you're gonna get out of it. And then there's probably a significant amount of employers out there that value that, that value the two years you've put at University of Virginia in this base of, this base of curriculum. Um, save time, save money, and get a good job, and hopefully develop some of these other intangible skills that I think people find valuable. Um, when do you think we'll start to really see a meaningful decline in the price of standard higher education? And will well, we? as, will as, we? as as someone who has two kids, uh, <laughs> right, right, and that was going to be that's one of my following questions. As yeah. someone who has two young kids, uh, I hope in the, I hope in the near future. Um, will it come down? I don't I don't see how it. I don't see how it won't. Um, I think that there will be a much wider, uh, uh, the, the, the bell curve of pricing among universities will be dramatically wider in the future. So again, uh, do I think that, uh, that Harvard's price will come down significantly? No, I don't see any reason to, to think that. Um, but uh, I think uh, the colleges will not, to the extent they're clustered now, they will decluster as there's sort of greater clarity around kind of what they, you know, what is their mission and what are they trying to do in that time? And, and, and with that understanding, can that be a shorter time period? Can that be something where it's a better mix of online and offline? Is it more of a, um, you know, sort of a shorter amount of time with instruction followed by more project-based learning where, you know, perhaps it's employers that are subsidizing or something like that. Yeah. So I think the, the, the range of tuition will, will, uh, uh, will change dramatically. I think prices will come down, uh, especially with um, uh, uh, online learning, especially with hybridization, especially with apprenticeships and things like that. And, uh, and I, think, I think that's a good thing. I mean, I, I mean I, that's course. what needs to happen. Right. I mean, there's competitive pressures out there that would almost force it. Again, recognizing vocational schools are different than higher education that just might be what people want out of education in the future. And that's what was said the point that I was making to David S. Rose was, perception is everything. Um, you know, if people perceive that vocational-based education is the purpose of you know, higher ed or anything else, is the skill is the purpose of it, if that's the perception, then vocational schools will win. They're cheaper. <laughs> it's, and the other thing is just higher-priced education, not higher education. It's like, that's it. It's vocational and higher-priced education. Um, but if people do, do really place value on the wider benefits of higher education, then I think that message needs to, the signal needs to get stronger. We need to really start emphasizing the importance of that. As an employer, I value that a whole lot. I value what people get out of higher education, but I don't think the signal's strong, strong enough for everyone sort of in the field to recognize that I'm going to college because the, this institution is going to teach me the intangibles to make me employable, job-ready skills, as you say. It's not just about learning to program. It's about these other benefits that make me next uh, more employable than the next person, yep. or more well-rounded, or better, you know, better educated. All those things I think are a benefit, but I think that signal needs to get stronger. That that's why education is there. The price has to come down. I think certainly as a parent of two, uh, yourself, not myself, um, recognize that you know, you, you'll you'll you, let's just say every, nothing changes and your, your children are ready to go to college. You might be like. You know, do I want to pay sixty thousand dollars, or sorry, thirty thousand dollars a year, some hundred, hundred plus thousand dollars for my child? Um, I do appreciate those well-rounded skills. Is there any? What are the alternatives where they can get that those skills, 
I know vocational works. I've started a, a program. Uh, so I know I can get them hired pretty quickly. Um, but is there an alternative to these other things that doesn't cost me so much money? I think that ha everyone's going to start asking themselves these questions. And then higher education is going to have to react. And this is the exciting thing. And there's, you know, you know, there's, there's just a number of things to learn. Um, so ask the question about costs going down. Will it be four years? Will the schools even be here going forward? Your children are eight and six now. What, in your, in your opinion, do you believe in 10 years when one is 18 and one is 16 and college is on both their mind, one already on, on their way there, um, what is their experience going to be like, in your opinion, when you relate it to your own experience at Wesleyan? What I, uh, what, I, uh, what I hope is, uh, I hope they're challenged. I hope, uh, uh, I hope education, uh, college education continues to sort of um, push people to think differently, to look at things from, uh, from multiple sides. I hope it pushes them to be, uh, to be strong communicators, to be open-minded. I mean, I think, I think all of that um, which I see from my own college education, I hope that doesn't change. There, there, as you said, there are aspects that are done so well and uh, they come at the right time, I think, in, in, in a person's development. And, uh, and I, I, worry, I worry that we could actually be devaluing those um, with, some, with the overemphasis on it's all about the job. Um, but uh, in addition to that, uh, I hope that it is far more um, project-based, uh, that, that it's more practical in terms of what we learn. And in being project-based and practical, that is what is sort of helping to, um, uh, to better expose uh, my children to uh, potential careers or, or at least potential professional fields. Um, and, uh, and that there is, um, the conversation is starting earlier uh, around, um, you know, what do you plan to do with what you've learned so far? So I compare that to, to my own education, which was really just, just go ahead and learn, just take whatever, you know, whatever course. And, uh, and I think there's a, there, 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 I hope there is gonna be a very different discipline uh, in terms of how that's done when my kids are there. I also would have to believe um, that it will be, uh, uh, there'll be a portion that may occur on, on a traditional campus. Much of it will occur, uh, occur online. Uh, potentially some of it will occur overseas. So I just think the idea that you're sort of, um, you know, you're largely contained to sort of the, you know, the, the four walls of your campus, so to speak, I hope that changes pretty dramatically. And if that changes, two things, who's going to, where are the kids going to live? Um, presumably still at home, I suppose, but I'll ask you that. And then, but how much of those intangible benefits that we were discussing is a product of being on campus, is a product of leaving the house and entering a world of independence and a community whereby you're on a similar level and you sort of grow and develop together? Yeah, those are, those are good questions. I don't, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I think those are things that have to be thought through. Right. Uh, you know, I know there are some interesting, um, I don't want to call it experiments, but interesting ideas going on right now where you, uh, uh, in sort of high density areas where they actually sort of create a physical campus 
just to you know, but bring just to together. bring people low cost living, right. and then everybody's taking online courses. Right. Uh, and so, really, the, the the physical space is designed to create community and sort of a shared uh, a shared experience, a shared identity. But it's not about you know going to classrooms, uh, so to speak. Is that the right model? I don't know, but that's just at least that's sort of. I think that is. I, I raise that as an example of just there are a lot of different models out right. there, and if we have the guts to be innovative and open to other ideas and I think we can I think we can do some pretty incredible stuff. I agree and I love the that example. I think that's something that universities are so perfectly built to make execute on. It's holy you know holy crap, education's going online. Everyone's going to be you know education is basically lear learning materials that are already learned. So uh, it's a teacher who knows something and something that's already in a textbook, you know, you you're digesting it. Well, we know all of that can be crammed into an iPad now, all of it. All that's learned can be crammed into an iPad, and now it's just about facilitating that course load. It's not about the educator so much anymore. Well, I can, the university of the future is maybe in my, on my couch. I just need someone to make sure I get the coursework done. Um, but that's not fun, of course. Um, and, it, and you certainly aren't developing, you know, I would say, some of these intangibles that you get from being in a place. And universities are saying, all right, here, look, we'll shove all that coursework on the tablet. Um, we'll, we'll have the best facilitators in the world now. We're going to have the people that make sure you get this work done. But we're also going to have the most desirable destination in which people can be together and learn this stuff together. Um, and be, being a graduate at the University of Virginia, I can't even picture a more beautiful campus for that to happen on. So I think that, and I think they should be experimenting with that now. We yeah. say, you know, we're, you know, UVA just raised $3 billion, probably 2.99 billion of it went to building new buildings at, at, on campus. And I think for some of us in our like late 20s, early 30s, we're like, what are you doing? That's not the future. But if you tell me that a good chunk of that is being built for like a co-living environment, right. Right. I would say now you're innovating. And now I'm curious to see what that looks like. So to yeah, me, the, that's so exciting. The, the interesting thing, you know, with the, with the, you know, with the, 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 the rapid acceleration of online learning, with the rapid acceleration of social media, I think uh, people are going to be starving for something to, to sort of balance that, to look for, for places, Absolutely. physical places, where you can find uh, community. I mean, one of the, just to bring it back to Metis for a moment, you know, we run Metis uh, in New York out of a WeWork location. And, uh, and so for those who don't know, WeWork is a, is a collaborative work environment. I mean, it has all the basics you need in terms of to do your job and wireless assets, et cetera. But it's especially a place where people can go and they get to talk with and hang out with other uh, other entrepreneurs and developers, and they get challenged. They get challenged by the fact that that there's sort of what they do for their job, and then there's all the conversations that that that, that happen and the exposure. So there's something very powerful about the physical need for community that I think is going to also accelerate as technologies. Um, naturally sort of push us uh, in a different direction. Um, every time I'm thinking I'm going to wrap up, you end on something that makes me want to <clears throat> ask something else. So you're talking about the, the, the technology of curriculum. Tell me, this, tell me this isn't the reality in some ways. I am going to be a psychology major, let's just say. I'm making it up. <clears throat> and there's a certain set of undergraduate curriculum that will earn myself a degree. We know what that is at Harvard. We know what it is at UVA. We know what it is at Binghamton. We know what it is at Wesleyan. We can learn that quickly. And presumably, there's people already working on a way of saying, I'm going to take the best of all of these and cram it into one curriculum on a tablet. And now the whole world will know that, oh, the, the psycho psychology curriculum that will you know, bring you from zero to 100 uh, and make you employable in psychology is this. Download this curriculum on your tablet. 
and I do that, and I start taking these courses. <clears throat> now what the heck does UVA, Wesleyan, Harvard, and others actually mean to me when I know that the, the curriculum they're all studying is the same one I'm looking at you know, now? Um, tell me that's not the future in so many ways, and if it is, and there's still a valuable there's still a valuable place in society for these universities that maybe it's I spend two months at UVA amongst certain people and then I shoot off to Wesleyan because I know that if I drop myself in, I'm dealing with people that are on that exact same curriculum and we can still share notes. I can't currently leave my, my class at UVA, go to Harvard and share notes with somebody. They're on something completely different. Right. But tell me that's, that's not the future in some way. Uh, <laughs> I, I think. I mean. I think there there are uh, there are aspects to what you're saying, which is the future. Meaning, meaning that uh, that um, if if the uh, if if learning equals content, uh, then at, at some point we should be able to sort of figure out, you know, what is the perfect content to provide to somebody, to provide, you know, so that they're on the you know the the perfect path for mastering, you know. Psychology, to use, to, use, to use your example, we see this in, in a, you know in, in the boot camps. Uh, the the innovation in what in what Metis and, and others are doing is not that we're providing content on Ruby on Rails, for example. The content's all out there. We may curate it in a better way, structure it in a better way, but it is sort of the the uh, uh, it's the learning that happens with that. It's the it's the pairing with other students. It's the it's the um, it's the, 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 the struggling to sort of work through your code and the talking to teachers and sort of understanding different options that goes well beyond just sort of the, the content. So, um, uh, you know, it, again, I think it may be that we over time can, uh, can sort of cherry pick that there's certain, you know, there's, there's great content out there and this is the stuff that everybody should be learning and it's, you know, more uniform than it is now. But I don't, you know, but, but even as we get there, uh, I think then what will distinguish education and what is essential are going to be the conversations, are going to be the great professors who can facilitate dialogue, who can get people challenging one another, and all the things that can't happen in a lesson, however, in whatever medium it's provided. And to me, that, if that's the future in a lot of ways, then that is desirable for me in terms of sending my kids in that platform. It's, this is the university that just facilitates, creates dialogue better than anybody else. You're going to be amongst peers that think at a higher level. That, to me, is like a great... That's exciting. That's so exciting. Totally agree. So uh, this has been super exciting, Jason. Um, to sign off, please give our audience um, just a little bit more detail about Metis. Uh, it, from an employer standpoint, are you hiring? Are you growing? Is this something that students graduating should be looking at as a place to help you grow that that business? Yeah. So, um, so, uh, so, as, so as I said, Metis provides uh, new economy skill training. Specifically, we run uh, intensive in-person uh, boot camps that are in uh, web development, data science, and uh, uh, user experience, front-end development. All fields that employers are. Uh, telling us that they're they're struggling to find great people for, um, and uh, and it is something that is accessible. We've had college students who take our boot camps and they do it as, uh, taking time off from school. You know, we've had folks who are you know in their mid fifties and sixties who are doing it and and looking to change their careers. So I think for 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 anybody that is um, thinking to themselves, I I uh, I want to. Pivot. I, I don't want to. I want to pivot 
and change career direction, this, this is something to, worth looking at. And I think for anybody, and this may be the case with many college students, I know where I want to get to, but how do I accelerate that path? How do I get more of the, the hands-on learning and, and project-based learning faster? Then boot camp should be something that they strongly consider. Um, uh, and it's, you know, if you think about sort of the cost of a semester uh, at a traditional college versus the cost of uh, attending a boot camp, it's, you know, probably a pretty good, uh, uh, pretty good math. Great. And what is, what would you say is the, if you can answer this, it's very difficult even for me, what is the single most important trait in someone you're looking for if you were to employ them? Um, I would say that the single most important trait, um, uh, there, there's probably two that are uniform across the three that we, the, the, the different boot camps that I just mentioned. Um, they are uh, ability to communicate effectively and uh, grit, the willingness to sort of stay with something, to not give up, to, to you know, to, to push and push um, uh, that, that tenacity. Those things are things that uh, we look for in people who apply to our boot camp. Those are things that we emphasize during the course of it. Those are things that our employers are looking for from our graduates, and those are things that Metis, as an employer, uh, is looking for in people that we hire. Wonderful. So uh, once again, well, look, <clears throat> Jason, thank you so much. This is Jason Moss. Uh, well, this is Tark too, but uh, with me is Jason <laughs> Moss, uh, co-founder and general manager of Metis. That is, uh, this is Metis. They can be found at thisismetis.com. That's M-E-T-I-S. Uh, he's also the VP of Strategy at Kaplan Test Prep, so you can uh, certainly uh, thank him for some of the inbound uh, talent coming to your universities. Uh, I am Tarek Pertu, co-founder and uh, chief creative officer of Uncued. We connect people to exciting companies. We also host the Education Uncued conference and a number of others. Um, a big thanks to Brian Schoikett here at Uncubed, who puts all this content together to make it uh, easier on us. Uh, once we get a third mic, Brian will be my co-host here. Um, <laughs> We're still bootstrapping some of these some of these processes. Jason, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I nuclear science. I love my classes. I got it